Great to see you this morning, and I hope you had a great week this week. Uh, as Nancy mentioned, we've got a lot of our guys, probably 100 plus guys that are up at our retreat uh, this weekend up at Cedar Springs up near Sumas, uh, Canadian border, a little, little distance from here. I was up there till last, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, there Friday and Saturday, and man, uh, some powerful things are happening. So keep them in your prayers this morning. Uh, God's doing some amazing things in some relationships. I, I know of some dads that took their, their sons uh, with them on this, and, and there's just some, some really exciting things that are happening relationally there. So uh, looking forward to the fruit that's going to result from that. They'll be headed home this afternoon. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to begin to turn there, Ephesians 4. Uh, if you have it on your device or whatever you have it on, we do have Bibles uh, as usual available. If you want to get the usher's attention, they'll be walking down the aisle. Uh, here in a moment. And uh, as they're doing that, could I give you a heads up on a couple of things that are coming, coming down the next few days. Uh, on Wednesday night, we're going to be having a, a, an all-church prayer gathering right here in the auditorium. Uh, we've been trying to do this with some regularity, and these are really powerful times when we come together. But I, I have to tell you, this one is, is especially important. Uh, we're going to be sharing some things that uh, we're looking ahead towards, some decisions that your leaders are making. And just to kind of, kind of just share some things to take before the Lord in prayer, uh, and and want you as a congregation to be aware of that. So if you can come out on Wednesday night at, at all possible, uh, this one would be really important for you to to be a part of. And we're looking forward to to that time of of just kind of seeking His face and and taking these things before Him. All right. So that'll be Wednesday at seven, and then two weeks from this weekend, we're going to have a baptism weekend. We, we like uh, every so often to have an extended time of worship after the message and at the end of the service and just make an open call. If you've never followed the Lord in baptism to identify with him uh, through baptism, uh, maybe that's something he's been stirring on your heart or you've been thinking about. We'll do it anytime, any service. All you've got to do is let us know. But on these weekends, it's just kind of an open call. So I just wanted to, to let you know that that was, that was coming. We... Um, we know that we've got a lot of friends on the East Coast that are going through just a, a, an unbelievably hard time right now, and it's going to probably get harder. Uh, probably not a one of us in here doesn't have some connection or somebody that, uh, that, that I know your heart is wrapped around. And so we want to pray about that today and just trust that, um, that God's mercy is going to be with them and that uh, even in the tragedies and the disaster of this storm, that somehow uh, God's going to redeem this and, and have a testimony there. So. So as we wrap all this in prayer and just prepare for the message, uh, could we just lift them up as well uh, as we go before the Lord? Could we do that? Lord, we uh, pause once again before you and acknowledge your presence here. We thank you, God, uh, for your power and your sovereignty. Uh, we know, Lord, that, that we live in a sinful world. Most of the time when we think about that, we think of the, the moral or the uh, behavioral impacts that sin has on us. And yet scripture's clear that the whole world, the earth itself has been impacted. And we see sometimes these devastating storms and, and the aftermath of them and the disaster that they entail, the lives that have been touched and changed forever. And we just have to look to you, Lord, and pray just for your mercies upon these folks. Pray for those who are uh, responding to this and, and striving to help. I think a Samaritan purse who probably as much as anybody is a testimony, uh, 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 the hand of the Lord going into these places, and they're prepared for that. But we know that the, the volunteers and everybody is, are going to be challenged, and so we lift them up to you and pray for your safety and for your protection. We trust you, God, that, uh, that there'll be great testimonies that will arise even out of this. We look forward to even what you want to say to us through your word to us today. And, and just, uh, God, as, as we come together as a church family, just to seek your face and to hear from you, sit at your feet, 
We pray that we'll bring to you again hearts that are willing to respond and, and to put into practice, put into action the things that you uh, reveal to us about ourselves, about uh, us together, and uh, we just commit to do that. We pray for our brothers who will be traveling back and just watch over them. Just pray for the fruit of this time that they've been able to pull away. I pray that it will be evident in their homes, and their families, in their marriage, in their, their relationship with their, their kids. Uh, but even here as a church family that, that we'll see some, some great results of that. So commit all this to you today. Trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in Ephesians 4. We're, we're uh, continuing a series that we've been in the last couple of weeks uh, called This Is Us. And we've just been taking a, a fresh look, kind of a review about North Shore, about, about how God has kind of distinctly called us out into our community and what he's called us to. Uh, we started a couple of weeks ago on Labor Day weekend talking about our mission and we understand it pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It's, it's the great commandment that Jesus gave us, to love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's why on some of the signage around the building, you'll see a phrase that just simply says, we're about loving God, and we're going to love people. And we want to do that better and better and better. We want to just keep, keep getting better at that. That's our mission. Um, we often speak in the same breath, you know, to the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. And and teach them to obey, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then helping them grow, grow to maturity. And so that's what North Shore's co- considered our, our mission. It's kind of our destination of what we're headed. And last week, we started talking about our, some of our values. These are the things that we hope aren't just aspirational. We hope that these are evident. We hope these are what we're really all about and that you sense the moment that, that we're together, that we're about. We hope that, I kind of use the analogy that these are more like the vehicle that's going to take us to our destination, okay? Uh, and we introduced the first two of the four that, that we kind of center around, and that was last week, abiding in Christ, which is the highest priority. He says, you can do nothing apart from me. Remember that from John 15? Nothing apart from me. No fruit. Nothing's going to come of consequence if we're separated or disconnected from the vine. And so uh, relationally, when we talk to each other, we're going to often ask the question, how are you doing in your walk with God? When you get into your life groups and, and when you're maybe in, in a closer relationship of somebody who's investing intentionally in you, and you, they're going to ask you the question, how are you doing in your walk with God? Because they know everything else is going to flow out of that. And so this is, this is what we're going to, going to center on. And then the second thing we mentioned was loving relationships. We want that to be the mark of who we are. Jesus said, this will be the sign. This is how they're going to know you're my disciple, is if you love one another. Uh, that's a chief gauge or evaluating tool that we're going to consider is the love. It, in, in our community, our, our church life, you're going to talk about your home, your marriage, your, your relationship with your kids. Is love at the center, at the core uh, of what you're concentrating on and hopefully you know, that guideline that the Scripture is going to give us of what that looks like. There's kindness and patience and self-control and, and joy and gentleness. And so that love uh, is evident there and then even out into the community and how we express it that way. So, so that's what we looked at and considered uh, last week. We're going to do a similar thing that we did last week. I just want to kind of hit the highlights of the last two and then look at some sub-points real quickly, but then reserve a little bit of time at the end of, of the, an application what does this practically mean for us? How can we put this into practice and what that's, what that's going to require from us? So if you, if you had it uh, turned to Ephesians 4, I want to start there because the third word that we're concentrating on is the word unity. 
Uh, unity is something that I know from the moment I stepped foot here at North Shore, I could sense from the spiritual leaders this was a high priority to them. It's always a challenge. It's a constant challenge in a church life to protect and preserve the unity of the church. And you know why that is? Because we've got an enemy. Amen? We have an adversary. And like Paul says, we're not unaware of his schemes. And you know what his number one tool in his tool chest is? It is to divide the people of God any way he can. He's going to try to drive a wedge between us. And attacks come in this particular fashion or form regularly so that it, take, it takes a watchful eye, it takes a prayerful eye, a concern, and shepherds who are, are kind of keeping a watch to be able to protect the unity in the life of our church. There's a constant threat. And... And so if, if we kind of walk ourselves through some of the priorities that we need to, to be about or to give ourselves, this is why I went to Ephesians 4. If you're looking at it with me, look at verse 1 with me, if you would. Follow along. He says, therefore, I, uh, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you'll skip down to verse 13 real quick, he goes on and he says, this is, this is what, what it's going to look like when the body is built up, when they're healthy, when they're, they're operating out of their giftedness, equipping. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're striving for, the unity of the faith. And, and so Paul is kind of elevating this, and he's saying, you know what? In fact, a little later in this letter, he's going to talk about armoring the believer because the enemy's going to come after you in spiritual warfare, and he's saying, you know, this is going to be a battle. But we have to pay attention to that, and that's what we want to be about here. What is it going to take? You know, what is it going to take to preserve and protect that? There were three things that, that we kind of collectively as a team have, have tried to identify, just to simplify a bit, but here, here's the first of those. Is, you know, what Paul even said there, we need to be a people who portray humility, who portray humility, and, and uh, many, many teaching, many verses are going to elevate that particular quality and describe it. Paul, he, uh, he talked about this over in another letter, Philippians. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Okay, in that verse, he contrasts something. He says selfish ambition and conceit. There's one word that that comes to my mind when I hear that. You know what it is? It's the word pride. And if you look at the attacks to the body of Christ, and I'm not just talking about North Shore, I'm talking about the church and how the enemy comes and tries to drive a wedge, you usually will find that at the source, there is pride right there at the core, isn't there? Some form, some expression of, of self-centeredness, somebody demands what they want and they're gonna get their way or they're gonna force their way or they're gonna attack until they get that. 
And he says it basically is that pride, that selfishness. So what does it mean to counteract that? He says, but instead with humility. I think, I was thinking about this this week, that, that friends, as a, as a church, we are so much like a physical, physiological body. And God has created us in an amazing way. In fact, didn't the scripture say we were fearfully and wonderfully made? And when you think about the intricacies of the human life, I mean, it's, it's, it's just such a miracle of how we function, how we can think, how we have a heart and a soul. And, and one, of the, one of the amazing miracles in the body is what's called the immune system. And if you've ever been challenged uh, in that area or that arena, like uh, a friend of mine who recently went through um, a transplant, uh, uh, it's kind of a, a bone marrow transplant, and went through this period of time to where basically it wiped out his immune system. And so now he's got to be isolated for, I think it's like 100 days. We've been calling and saying, when can we come and visit? But it's so risky to have anybody come in because it may introduce a virus. And that virus, because when the immune system's out, all of a sudden you become vulnerable, like in no other time. You know, we're in the change of seasons. Anybody having little issues with the change of season, the cold and things that, that are hitting you and they just want to pound you like that? You've got something inside of you that battles that. And, you, and we take that for granted, don't we? It's kind of assumed that there's something in there that's going to fight that. And so think about this in a spiritual realm. If in the body of Christ, if you come under attack and it's this pride that attacks you, what is your immune system? What is the antibody that's going to go fight that? I want to suggest that it's humility. It's that very thing that's going to come and counteract uh, the schemes of the enemy who, who would try to, you know, try to force his stuff on us. And so Paul's describing that, that here and, and I want us to hopefully pay attention uh, to that as well. The second uh, part of that is that we're going to practice what we use the word, the phrase, fighting for relationship. We fight for relationship. And, and I, as I was reading through this section, I got down to 26, uh, verse 26, and here's what Paul says. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Does that surprise you that the scripture says be angry? <laughs> That's not a misprint there. What, what he's suggesting is there's a kind of anger that is not sinful. In fact, it, anger can sometimes be a very good thing. The opposite of that would be to stuff it. You got an issue or got a problem, you stuff it, you put it on the shelf, or you act like it doesn't exist. Friends, it will show up sometime, somehow, some way, won't it, huh? It'll eventually show up. And sometimes we need to, need to express it, and sometimes that expression comes with a little velocity, right? But what is he saying? He's saying there's a kind that can slip into the sinful mode. That's when the anger can drift into hatred, into what he calls wrath or rage, where it, it can express itself through words that are hateful and hurtful, slander, tearing somebody down, malice, where you literally want to hurt them with your words. These kind of things, friends, are sinful. And he says, in your anger, don't sin. But then he gives us a little, a little nugget, I'll call it. And this is great, great principle, great truth. He says, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. What's he saying? He's saying, deal with it quickly. Deal with it swiftly. Don't let it linger. 
Don't, don't just stuff it and act like it's going to go away all by itself because it typically doesn't. The sooner that you, you blow that out and bring light into that and expose that, the sooner that healing can come about. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, he says, on your anger. And, um, and, and so around here in my life, in my world, in our relationships, we use this phrase, we're going to fight for relationship. And often we will precede our comments by that very phrase, hey, I'm here, I'm fighting for relationship. I don't want anything, to, like he said, I don't want the devil to gain an opportunity or a foothold in this situation. I don't want it to go someplace that was unintended. So we're going we're gonna to go after it. We're going to hopefully deal with this. Had it happen more than once this week. And just about every week of my life this happens. Because you know what? Stuff happens. And, and phrases are, are out there and, and instances happen. And they can take on a whole life of their own. In, in one particular case, it was late, late in the evening. It was a you know, late time. And I got a little tweak, you know. And I started reading into it. And I kind of understood myself. I understood why it was impacting me the way it was. But it wasn't, it wasn't uh, conducive. It wasn't the, the right time that I could just step into it for various reasons. So I went home. And I found myself thinking about this and dwelling upon this. And, and all of a sudden things that were just, it was getting blown out of proportion in my own mind. And I knew that the first thing I did when I got here the next morning that I was going to, uh, go, to go to the individual that, that that pertained to. Well, thankfully, that person came to my office before I ever had a chance. It wasn't about that issue, though. <laughs> so I took the occasion, and I, I thought, you know what? That's becoming part of our culture here. We're doing that as part of our culture. Think about if you did that in your marriages or in your home or at, at work. Now, I know some of you are dealing with nonbelievers, and you know, they're not followers of Christ, and maybe it's a little more awkward, but yet it's a general principle is don't stuff it. Deal with it. Deal with it as it, um, as it comes to the surface. And, um, and, and, and just continue that way. And then the third thing is, I wanted to bring up under this unity, at North Shore, uh, I just want you guys to be aware, we are a very unique church in that we have a relationship with a school, and it's, it, by proportion, it's a very large school. We have upwards close to 1,000 students that are here every, every day. From little guys in the, in the early learning center up to eighth grade. That's a, that's a lot of moving parts. And with the leadership and the way we're structured, a lot of churches that do have schools, they'll have separate buildings, you know, that they're, they're over there and we're over here. We're not that way. We live together. We live together. And, uh, and, and we have lived together for many years. And I just want to say out loud, I am so grateful for the leadership from our academy that makes this value a very high priority and we put into practice the very things that we're talking about. One of the biggest things is just communication. You know, letting each other know what's going on. And, and it takes a lot because there's a lot of activity around here. And a lot of minefields where it potentially could go sideways. But we are committed to this. I'll tell you a little uh, something that this year we have, have, um, have employed. And that is we have assigned two pastors to every department, age, age department to be a shepherd and to work with them and to work alongside and to pray for them. So with the Early Learning Center, we have two pastors. With the kindergarten through second grade, I think it is, a couple of pastors, third through fifth grade, and then the sixth through the eighth grade. So four, four areas, divisions, there's two pastors for each of those. 
And we're just hoping that this is even going to enhance that partnership and that, that unity even to a greater degree. We work in cooperation. Um, another example, Friday night or Friday, there were nine, over 900 leaders in this room from all over the Northwest for the Orange Tour. It's a children's ministry, a training, and they come from all over. It's first class. And, and these are world-class leaders, and they came together, and they were celebrating and learning. And, um, and, the, and the school, thankfully, sees this on our calendar and, and does some alternate things so that we can kind of take over the campus. But Thursday night, they had a parenting segment, and, and we, we intentionally, strategically tried to interface with many of these parents. You know that probably close to half of the parents that put their kids in our Christian school have no church involvement? None. And we're constantly praying and thinking about ways in which we can partner um, with that opportunity. Uh, so, so many, come to find out, many of these parents took advantage of that parenting Thursday night. And who knows, you know, where, uh, where that relationship will grow. But, but that's what it looks like. So we're given to that. So that's unity. The last one that I wanted to share with you is the word integrity. That is something that we want to be known for. We want to strive for, we want it to guide our decisions, our practices, our behavior. We want to be a people and a church that is marked by integrity. What does integrity mean? I think most of you know it, 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 it's derived from the Latin word integer. And if you're a mathematician, what is an integer? It's a whole number. It's not a fraction. It's a whole number. And so the implication here that in, into integrity is about being the whole person. It's meaning, essentially, in a practical way, you're the same on the outside as you are on the inside, and you're the same on the inside as you proclaim to be on the outside. There's not a discrepancy. And the reason why I, I took you to Ephesians 4, if you read through this chapter, you're going to notice several times the Apostle Paul referred to the old life that was marked by deceitfulness, okay, deceitfulness, and yet, um, as, as you see this unfold, you're going to find that uh, if we speak truth, if, we, if we're honest with each other, it means that I'm going to say things on the outside, and you can trust that that's the truth on the inside. And as you grow with that kind of trust, friends, that's what he's, he's really trying to perpetuate here. That's what he's trying to, to bring us to, is a place of integrity. And um, he, he says in verse uh, 15, look at chapter 4, verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Therefore, having put away falsehood, this is verse 25, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members of one another. And, wow, you know, our whole testimony, would you agree our whole testimony rests upon this? If we say things out loud and you don't believe that there's some, a life that's going to back that up, then we've got a problem on our hand. Unfortunately, today... We have examples, and they're very prolific, and they're very, uh, they're very uh, broadcast of, of leaders, perhaps, that have failed. 
And, and there are people, your friends, your family, that may not be close to God, that they hear those stories and they put everybody into the same boat. Oh, well, they're all that way. So we have to work extra hard to establish that kind of trust and that kind of honesty uh, that, that what we say, there's a life that is gonna back that up. Sometimes the only way you're ever gonna know what's at the core or what's beneath all that is if we're tested. Do you know that? Because there's things we can hide, there's things that we can, you know, be about, and we can say this out here, but a lot of times the only thing that will reveal that is if you come under uh, tremendous stress or strain or even crises. I shared this, I know I've probably shared it more than once here, but it always impresses me, and especially in light of where we live and, and, and many of you are associated. But, you know, when I, when I fly... And when I used to fly, years, I, mean, I still fly, but w years ago, I'd get really nervous. You know, when I'd look out the window and we'd be in turbulence and these wings, you know, were, <laughs> were kind of going like this. And I thought, wow, I never realized they were that flexible, you know. And I don't know with this new f carbon fiber and all that, I've never been on a 787, but I, you know, I know that immediately it gets up and the wings just kind of go like that, you know. And I don't know what it's like in turbulence. But I get kind of nervous, I got kind of scared until I saw what I'm about to show you. Uh, when they put those wings under a test, and you remember seeing this? Right over here, I believe it was right over at the bowling plane. I remember last time I showed this, several of you said, oh, I was there when that, when that happened. They are testing a wing. Look how high it is at that point. And incrementally, they're making it raise. It's keeping to be stretched higher and higher until they want to see when is this gonna break. <laughs> okay. Now I don't know, that might not make you feel good. It was a success. <laughs> but, but let me explain something. That wing, what I was told, was 24 feet. It was 24 feet up, up like this before it broke. What that means is when you're on the plane and you look out the window and you're seeing it go like this, if you can see the end of the tip of that, that uh, wing, you're in just good shape. <laughs> it would have to go 24 feet, and that means it's out of sight from your window before you would probably uh, see that kind of a result. Now, what if somebody, and maybe you're in the room that actually makes the frames for those wings or whatever, that's a possibility, what if, what if you came to work, you know, kind of upset one day and you forgot to put something in the structure or in the frame that made it what we might call corrupt? In other words, it, it wasn't, wasn't what it was supposed to be. What you'd say is it lost its integrity. Right. And you wouldn't know that until it's tested. And what we're striving for is to know that the inside is pure, the inside is trustworthy, the inside is the same which you're hoping for it to be on the outward expression. That's what we're striving for. And, um, you know, what's that gonna take on our part? Here's a few thoughts, three of them. The first one is, is I want us to strive for what we call authenticity. We wanna be a people, we wanna be a church, we wanna be leadership. And if you're in a group, uh, a life group, I, I'm hoping that if you're a leader, particularly of that life group, that you're the kind that's gonna be um, vulnerable enough to place yourself out there 
with your strengths, with your weaknesses, that you put yourself out there to the point where you're real so that your folks can know, you know, they've shared some pretty, some pretty interesting stuff, you know, that makes me think that they're not hiding anything. They don't need to hide anything because they know Jesus loves them. They know Jesus has forgiven them. And, uh, and they've confessed that. They've said that out loud. So it causes me to trust them at a level and to get to know them. And we say this often, friends, this, isn't, this is important what we do here, right here, but real growth and maturity is gonna happen when you're in that smaller group environment because you're gonna know the reality uh, of an authentic life that is, that is living itself out and trying to obey these commands of Christ. And friends, it's, it's hard. And yet, yet it brings credibility when a leader does that. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He was amazing at this. He says, he says, to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So now he's describing that inner, inner life before Christ. Christ has come in and now he's, he's addressed some of those things. He's beginning to purify that. And watch what Paul says. This is what it looks like. This is the outcome. Let such a person understand that for what we say by the letter, when absent, we do when we're present. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm writing you guys this letter, and I'm saying all these great lofty things and challenges and exhortations, but he says, I'm not going to be any different than when I show up and you see me face to face. I'm the same person. I'm going to live out what I'm writing to you. You know what concerns me today? is social media. Because you can write stuff out there and, and you can hide behind social media. Some of you do it anonymously. Some of you will put your name on it. And quite honestly, sometimes it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I don't know if we have this notion that, that you know, nobody, I mean, when you're writing in the privacy of your own, in front of your computer, all that, you don't realize who's watching that, who's, who's reading that, and what impression that they're getting. And you can say all these things, but sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll see the name and you think, wow, that's not the person I know. And, and it, it brings to question the integrity. Because we're one thing out here, but we're something different behind the screen. I just, I just say, beware of that. Be, be, uh, be aware of the messages that we send to make sure that we're consistent. Another word is modeling. You might think it's the same, but it's, it's a little bit different. At North Shore, when we say it frequently, we, we get into settings, and when we talk about discipling and discipleship, it's not just about information download. It's not a class for six weeks or 12 weeks and just gaining more and more information. It's more important that you have a leader that is willing to model the things that you're speaking of than just passing on the information. Now, maybe that's a, a taller task. Maybe some of us have a long way to go to get to where the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonians, watch how I live. Follow me as I follow Christ. How many of us would say that? You know, we're going to want to keep a little reservation over here, right? No, no, no. You know, we think that's hum humility. No, man, don't watch me. Paul's saying, man, watch the way I live. I know that I'm, I am so in love with Christ and I'm following him that if you watch me, you're going to see Christ. That's how confident he was. And just like his letter. He says, well, if I write you a letter, my life's going to back it up when I get there. It's modeling. 
And that's what, would you agree that when you were growing up, you probably learned more from how your parents acted and, and, and behaved than what they said and told you to do? And parents, could I just challenge you, if you've still got the stewardship of your kids and they're watching you firsthand, just make sure that, that what you're doing is matching up with what you're saying, that you're modeling the things, the values that we're, we're trying to elevate. And the last one is uh, to live above reproach. It's one of the standards that he has, especially for spiritual leaders, that, uh, that it, you know, your life is going to project out there and how others perceive you. That's why when, when we are uh, vetting elders and, and selecting elders here at North Shore, we, we pass it out to you and say, here's who we're looking at. And we're going to give us three or four weeks of, of input because there's things out there that they may be projecting, and we want to make sure that the spiritual leaders here to the best of our ability to understand, are above reproach. That there's nobody out there saying, wow, boy, if you knew what I saw and I could see, and we just want to protect that, okay? So these are the values. Um, as I, I look at these, like I said, I, I want to just spend the last couple of minutes here talking about some practical expression of this. You know, when we talk about unity, you know, what is going to be the test? What is going to be the challenge? When we we talk about this integrity of being one, it, it implies unity as well to live this way. What, what, is, what is the greatest test? What's the greatest challenge to that? And I would have to say it's, it's how we go through conflict. How we go through conflict. Guys, make no mistake. Conflict happens. And, and it's actually, it, it's a good thing, kind of like the anger. Conflict can be a very good thing. You can grow through it. If you're in a marriage and you keep going back over the same issues over and over again, that's not a good thing. That's not good conflict. But if you learn from it and you grow from it, somebody said that, uh, you know, if you don't have any conflict, you're either in denial or you're very dull <laughs> or you're dead, all right? And, and uh, he says, otherwise, you're going to go through it. I put a little phrase there at the top of your note. Uh, it's more rewarding to resolve conflict than it is to dissolve a relationship. I remember hearing once somebody said, you know, we're, more, we're worn down less by the mountains we climb than the sands that are in, in our shoes. It's not the big things that are going to mess us up. It's those little things. It's that sand in our shoes that rubs our feet raw and, and the pain starts, starts showing up. It's those little things, if not addressed. And so what, what do we try to practice? What, what can I pass on to you today? And believe me, these are, these are things that have been uh, tried and tested, okay? Could I, could I just walk you through a few things to consider? The first thing is, it's all going to start with you and with me. It's going to start with us, not the other person. You're in a conflict, and you think it's all about them, it's all about their stuff. Let's start with ourselves. Let's ask ourselves the question, have I really come to terms that I'm not a perfect person? Proverbs says, he who conceals his transgressions will never prosper. And, and it's, it's a healthy thing to, to have self-awareness about your weaknesses, about, you know, and to, and to start at that place. Ask yourself, are you, are you able to be corrected? Can people come and observe things? And are you responsive to that cor correction? Again, Proverbs says, disgrace comes to him who, who will not allow this, this instruction to be, um, to be held. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're defensive or you've kind of got a wall set up and you won't, won't uh, 
allow yourself to be out there and vulnerable to correction. That says something. I had a conversation this week with a, with a brother uh, back in the Midwest, and um, I'm, I'm kind of in this, this call, a coaching call, and, and I could tell he was burdened, man. And he started going down his path. He says, I, there's this thing that has showed up again. It's a relationship that's been out of sorts. And he says, man, I'm, I'm waking up at night thinking about this, and it's just really bearing down on me. And, and he says, every time I've tried to reconcile this, this person will say, okay, okay. But then it, all the stuff, it's kind of like, a, like a, a, a shelter full of stuff, all comes piling back onto the situation. He never lets anything go, he says. And I don't know what I can do. I've done everything, and now it's showing up again. And then he alluded that he's not even in his church anymore. And yet it's still coming back. And I was just listening to this, and I just thought, wow, I can tell he's really disturbed over this. And um, we're trying to encourage him a bit. My point of bringing this up is about two hours after our call, he emailed me. And, and this, is, this is what he said, literally. He said, he goes, if, um, if you have insight or counsel I realize that, I'm, that, that I might not see or have seen something that those of us in the middle, uh, you know, of us, of this situation might have missed. In other words, you might see something in me and the way I'm, I'm behaving in this that I'm missing all, all together. And then he concluded, he says, I want you to feel free to share that with me. That said something to me. It says that he's teachable. It says that he's, he's willing to hear the correction. And that's a healthy place. And then uh, a little later, it became, I didn't know who he was talking about or anything, and then later some stuff came and I started realizing more about the situation. And I just thought, that's the right place to be in. Not that you're gonna avoid conflict, but it's the heart that you're bringing. And then I guess the bottom line is, when, it's, when I'm addressing myself, am I willing to change? Am I willing to do something different than what I have done up to that point if it's been brought to my attention? So that's, a, that's the first one. Here's the second one. Seek wisdom and knowledge. You know, if, you, if you're stuck, it, maybe you're in your marriage, and maybe you're even on a precipice right now. Maybe you came in this morning, you don't know where this was going to land. And this is the most apt word that the Lord has spoken recently, and he's just saying, he's bringing this to your attention. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to try to do it on your own or try to figure it out on your own? The picture I get sometimes is a truck that is stuck in a mud pile or a mud, mud bin. And they, and, and they start spinning their wheels. You ever been there where you, your wheels start spinning? And of course, what's the answer? Press the pedal f- faster and harder, right? That's gonna get you out of that, <laughs> that mud. And, and all it does is do what? It digs a deeper hole. And, and so I watch people do that. And they won't reach out. They won't go to counsel. They won't go to conferences proactively to learn how to, how to uh, conduct their lives or their you know, marriage in a different way. Uh, get into a group where you trust the people and love them and that they can speak into that and open yourself up for that, okay? The third one, keep a clean slate. Keep a clean slate. You know, let's go back to that principle earlier. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Address it. Did you walk in today with something that, that tweaked you or that you're, you're issuing? You think, you know, man, I need to talk to them about that. If it's me, uh, then forget what I'm saying, all right? But <laughs> just kidding. Um, you know, go and speak the truth in love. Keep a clean slate. One of the things I like to do 
and I, I've done this for some time. When I hear of a couple that is celebrating a, a, a long t- long-term uh, marriage or anniversary, you know, I'll just ask them. I said, Can, "Do you got any nuggets? You know, how how did you how did you last that long?" In our life group this week, one of the couples said they were celebrating their 47th anniversary, and that was really cool. And I just asked, I asked the question. I I think you guys are in here, but I I, I think you said uh, forgiveness. Uh, that, that I, I just, you know, you have to practice forgiveness. And then he said, I learned how to listen. <laughs> I thought that, that's pretty. I, there was a, yeah, one of our ushers from 9 o'clock, uh, Jim, sweetest guy, and lost his wife a couple of years ago, and uh, just the sweetest couple. And, and he came up to me after the service, and he said, he said, we were married 58 years. And he, and I, and he said, you know, two words, how it lasted 58 years. I said, what was that? And he says, yes, dear. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. I like the one from the couple that was married 50 years at their anniversary, 50th anniversary. And, and she said, you know, when we started off, we just decided to commit ourselves. Um, we knew we had faults. We knew we had weaknesses. And we decided we're going to list our, our 10 top faults and, or weaknesses and then just commit to, to overlook those in our, in our married life. And, you know, I asked, so what were they? Did you write them down? No, we never wrote them down. It's just every time that he did something stupid or I did something, un, un, uh, you know, unnerving or offensive or whatever, we would say, you know, you're lucky that that was on the list. <laughs> and they moved on. Good practice. <laughs> keep, a, keep a clean slate. And guys, the last thing, just before we close, I'm going to close in prayer today. Um, pray with one another. Just pray together. Now, I know, I know that uh, if, if you've got a conflict like in, in your marketplace or your, your vocational life or work, that, that might not be practical uh, with a non-believer or whatever. But, you know, if it's close to home, if it's within the church family or if it's in your marriage or in your home, just practice going before the Lord. Have you ever found how difficult it is to come into the presence of the Lord and hold a grudge? You know, when Annette and I uh, go through something and, and something's tweaked a little bit, it seems like it's always, always around the evening and dinner time. And you know what you do before you have dinner? You have prayer. And we get to that time and I say, you pray. <laughs> you know, you I just, I can't come into the presence of the Lord when I know that there's something going on, you know, here and grinding over here. And if you'll discipline yourself and do it and put it into practice, you're going to find sometimes that light is going to come shining in and it's just going to expose all the stuff and, it, and the truth. And all of a sudden it just starts going like this. It's the enemy. It's the enemy who is trying to drive that wedge. And we just need to be relentless to bring it Uh, before the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I hope it's helpful today. And if you came in today, and maybe this is touching you in some specific area, just know that he's here. And if you'll not just be a listener, you know, just, just, you know, kind of just contemplate, but you'll actually put into practice something that the Spirit's prompting you to do, I'm just convinced that he's going to bring peace. He's going to bring a wholeness, an integrity, if you will, He's going to protect and preserve unity. That's why I put that last verse on there. Some of you committed to memory. Don't be anxious about anything, he says. 
but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And that, that will result in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's one reason I love to come together as a church family for, for corporate prayer, like we're going to do Wednesday, uh, and just be able to lay, lay some things out there for you. And we'll take it to the Lord, because that promise is true. So let's stand together. I want to do that prayer and just pray over you today as we get ready to be dismissed. But um, before we go out, let's just seek his face, okay? You know, as we just quiet ourselves in, in the moment and, and let these words just kind of, kind of flow over us, we think about these values today that we talked the last couple of weeks about, about love and about abiding in Christ and about protecting the unity um, the oneness of the, the body of Christ. And just being a people that would display this kind of integrity, this honesty, and that we, as he, even now in our prayer, the Spirit comes through and detects things within us that may be impure. They may be corrupt. And they need to be purified. And there's only one way to deal with that, and that is to confess it before the Lord Speak to him about it. Acknowledge it. Come into agreement with what he's revealing. Like David, allow him to search your heart and see if there be any way within you that doesn't line up uh, with his truth, with his word. And then confess it. Just say, Lord, here it is. I'm going to trust it with you, and I'm going to ask you for your forgiveness and for your cleansing. You promised that, Lord. You said if you'll confess your sins, God is faithful who will cleanse you and, and wash those sins away. And we just, just stand before you, Lord, humbly and pray that we can put these things into practice. I pray for a protection over our church, over its leadership, you know, over, over things, Lord, that, uh, that are out of our hands. And sometimes I know the enemy tries to do a number and has, has, uh, has schemes and, and attacks. It just seems a lot of folks are, have been coming under these kinds of attacks. And I just pray, Father, that they'll rely upon your armor against uh, these principalities and powers, Lord, that are trying to undo. And I pray over them and the marriages, Lord, represented here today. We're just, we just have to see, Lord, you at work. And somebody, Lord, in this room probably walked in this morning and were under great duress. They were anxious. And we hear your words reverberating. Don't be anxious. Take it to the Lord in prayer and trust him for the peace that is going to be a given that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We claim that promise today. Pray it over each one. Look forward to, Lord, the times that we get to look forward to in the, in the few days ahead. And uh, until then, may your blessing be on each one. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for being here today. It's great to see you. And uh, look forward to seeing you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, okay?